0: Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to War Zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
1: Lovely Rita, meet a made. Nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. So I am calling it one big Schiff, Adam Schiff Show. Because so far, all we're hearing is one side of the January 6th hearings. And when you hear one side or you take one part of a sentence out of context, it's very easy to condemn someone. And boy, are these Democrats and the rhinos, boy, are they worried about President Trump. And that, to me, just shows abundantly clear that this is all about making sure President Trump Doesn't have an impact on the midterms. Of course, there are a whole bunch of more primaries that are happening tonight. Uh, A couple biggies, too, which we'll fill you in on. But in addition to that, they are very worried. What's going to happen in 2024? You know, Trump is not being quiet, and they're very concerned. And they should be, because if you look at the numbers for Joe Biden, he's doing worse than Jimmy Carter was at this point. So now that you've heard another day of the January six hearings, again, all Democrat-led with Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who are often more Democrats than the Democrats because they hate Trump, with a passion. So far, this is really such a one-sided, slanted proceeding. And I'm embarrassed as an American because we should be showing all sides. And there are so many questions that I actually would love the answers for. I mean, I sit there and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that would be great if I could get the answers to this or this or this, a whole bunch of different stuff. If I could get the answers to it, a lot of these things would, to me, be really fantastic. But we're not going to get the answers to security questions. We're not going to get the answers to a whole bunch of stuff because the Democrats clearly just want to present one side and basically try to do whatever they can to tar and feather president trump so i want to hear your thoughts after today's hearing and to hear if you think there is anything in there that actually moves the dial on this case so far pretty much what we've heard has been pretty much what we knew you know right around the time of january 6 and leading up to it today they were talking about some of the things that some people say president trump did Uh, They make it sound like he was out of the blue just making these questions, but that he definitely still thought that there was election fraud and try to find these evidences, try to find these proofs. And then we're also hearing Adam Schiff in the middle of it all basically saying, you know what, Uh, there is clear and irrefutable proof that there are crimes here and we're going to refer it to DOJ basically after all this. That's what Jamie Raskin's also saying. But that's what Adam Schiff said about the Russia collusion hoax. And we're supposed to believe that and think about all the time and waste of taxpayer money and hassle. And so tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show, I want to get your take after another day of hearings. If this is just all one big Schiff charade, Adam Schiff charade, or is it? something else did they blow up anything did something come up to when i say blow up you know some new revelation did something new emerge was there some new fact that you went god that's really interesting and that has changed my impression if you look at some of the polls a majority of americans have tuned out and a majority of americans are not watching the hearings just period they don't really think it's moving the dial. They're not that interested in it. They're much more worried about the economy. They're much more worried about crime. They're much more worried about the border. There's a lot of things that they're worried about. And when you put where does January 6th stand on the list, it's not really high on the list, everybody. So is there anybody out there who thinks this is the biggest crises in the world and that it warrants what at the end of the day it looks like it's going to be seven hearings And was there anything today that you said, gosh, I learned so much. Boy, was this the greatest thing in the world. Or, boy, was this just stunning, this revelation. I didn't hear anything that went, wow, that's really amazing. But I did hear Benny Thompson, who is the chair of the June 6th committee, basically saying, you know what, Um, here's just sort of more of the same. And these people just feel that Trump is a problem and he basically shouldn't run again. And this is sort of how he opened up the proceedings today, sort of the same as he did last week.
2: As I mentioned at the start of this hearing, when we talk about our democratic institutions, we're talking about these individuals and many others who do these jobs across the country. They represent the backbone of our democracy at its most important moments, when the citizens cast their votes And when those votes are counted, we've heard the stories of their courage. They've earned the thanks of a grateful nation. But for Donald Trump, these witnesses and others like them were another roadblock to his attempt to cling to power.
1: And the way you hear Benny Thompson talk, guys, I mean, you would think that global warming, famine, uh you know uh you know uh, meteors everything is because of donald trump it's like the world would have come to an end if not for these individuals who saved the day and boy the rest of my life we're going to get their names tattooed on my arm i mean it was like where is this going to end and here's a little bit more of benny thompson basically saying You know, they foiled Trump's master plan.
2: Today, we'll show that what happened to Mike Pence wasn't an isolated part of Donald Trump's scheme to overturn the election. In fact, pressuring public servants into betraying their oaths was a fundamental part of the playbook. And a handful of election officials in several key states stood between Donald Trump And the upending of American democracy.
1: And democracy was at stake, if not for Benny Thompson. And, of course, this next guy, Adam Schiff, who whenever he talks, all I could think about, remember, he's like, oh, we have so much evidence on the Russia hoax. We are we got a lock, stock and barrel. We are set. He's done. And, of course, it turned out to be one big joke. And he never apologized for that ever. Never said, oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I was over the top. Uh Uh-uh, he is continuing his same message. And in fact, NBC came out today, or a couple days ago, I should say, when they first made this claim, and basically said, this is impeachment number three. That's what they're saying. I think that's what Adam Schiff would like it to be. But so far, there are no fireworks. But that doesn't stop Adam Schiff. Take a listen to how he described things today.
3: As we have seen in our prior hearings Running through this scheme was a big lie that the election was plagued with massive fraud and somehow stolen. You'll remember what the president's own attorney general, Bill Barr, said he told the president about these claims of massive fraud affecting the outcome of the election.
4: And uh,
3: I told him that the stuff that his people were shoveling out to the public was bull. I mean, that the claims of fraud were bulls**t. The president's lie was and is, a dangerous cancer on the body politic. If you can convince Americans that they cannot trust their own elections, that any time they lose it is somehow illegitimate, then what is left but violence to determine who should govern?
1: Said from a man who has questioned the legitimacy of other elections. When Republicans won, along with Benny Thompson, two guys, and along with Jamie Raskin and a number of others that are on that committee. That's why this is such a bunch of hogwash, because they have questioned the legitimacy of other elections. They've questioned the legitimacy of President Trump. How dare they come out and claim like they're holier than thou? And now because Trump does it, it is wrong. Here's a little bit more of Shifty Chef.
3: He mounted a pressure campaign directed at individual state legislators to try to get them to go back into session and either declare him the winner, decertify Joe Biden as the winner, or send two slates of electors to Congress, one for Biden and one for him, and pressure Vice President Pence to choose him as the winner. But the state legislatures wouldn't go along with this scheme, and neither would the vice president. None of the legislatures agreed to go back into special session and declare him the winner.
1: No, they did not. But it's not because the Democrats or others haven't tried the same thing, guys. This is so unbelievable. And they make it sound like anybody who questions the elections is basically a threat to America. Well, if that's the case, then Benny Thompson is, Hillary Clinton is. Stacey Abrams is in Georgia, Adam Schiff, Jamie Raskin. Do you want me to keep going? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. What are your thoughts about all of this and how preposterous and how one-sided and how shameful so far what we have heard? Let's go to Patricia, line two. Patricia, your thoughts about all of this?
4: Oh, hello. Listen, I'm so disgusted. We hear all these complaints. We know what's going on as Americans. And yet we just watch it, listen to it, get aggravated and do nothing about it. What could we do to stop this?
1: What could we do to show the government that we want Trump? We believe in him. Well, one thing you can do is obviously support his candidates in the midterms. And listen, if the Republicans get in, I mean, if you listen to a number of people like Newt Gingrich, former House Speaker, he thinks it's going to be a landslide in the House and potentially even the Senate, too. But even if the House goes into GOP hands, you know that they're going to try to, like, kill right away Uh, all these different hearings, all these investigations. They're going to go, forget that. You know, and so there is a way to send a message and also just make sure it's vocal because it is, you know, for them to think that this is a fair hearing is preposterous. There, There's one side and barely even one side. <laughs> and, you know, we listen to you and we listen to Hannigan and Ray Kelly.
4: And you know what? Yes, we all say and believe the same thing. But the other what... 12% are crazy and they want to just take over, I don't get it.
5: Yeah, it it, it yeah, it's
1: time for getting to the ballot box in November and then getting to the ballot box again in 2024, Patricia. That is the loudest message of all that could potentially be sent for sure. Let's go to LQ, line four. LQ, your thoughts.
6: Uh, many blessings, uh Rita, and to all, all you.
1: You, too, my friend. You, too. Now, LQ, if I remember correctly, I remember you called uh, before and said you were actually there on January 6th, right? Yes, sir. That, that's what I would respond to. Um, the people that's criticizing, uh, that even
6: at this, the hearings, they were not there. We were five blocks in a peaceful um, uh, uh, d- demonstration. Five blocks. And then to, to, um, to, they given secondhand information. They were not there and to label all of us as insurrectionists and and, and uh, we all you know uh, we're trying to overthrow is not fair there's and they're not being they're not speaking the truth what about the rest of the the thousands and thousands
1: of people that were pe- being peaceful that's yeah. that's misleading oh absolutely they're treating every single person that was there as you know and listen i when i see the images of the people and i've said this before You know, I don't like violence of any kind. And when I've seen people who are pushing and shoving at the Capitol um, and certainly pushing police officers, my goodness, um, and some of the other things, I don't agree with that. Or breaking in there, you know, I don't agree with that. But some of those who just kind of walked right in and were peacefully walking around and many who were outside and peaceful. I mean, there should be no repercussion. I'm with you, LQ. I am with you. I think there's so many unanswered questions and you're right. They they're like painting everybody with that brush because they basically I think it goes to the same goal as this hearing. I think the goal is anybody who's ever supported Trump uh, and clearly Trump himself, they want to try to admonish and hopefully, you know, make them so scared they never come out again. And that's what they're trying to do with Trump, too. And it just shows that they are worried, that they're concerned. And by the way, if you're Joe Biden and you look at your poll numbers, he has a big reason to be concerned. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. After the break, you heard from LQ, who was there. What do you think of the hearing so far? And do you think there has been any bombshell or anything that can be relayed to DOJ for a criminal referral? They already looked at it before and they passed. So did the Senate. So what would be uncovered so far that would change the dynamics? Or is it just abundantly transparent? This is all about a vendetta against Trump. 1-800-848-9222.
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
1: Complaining about what clearly is a one-sided hearing. And I'm actually really sad because I actually think there would have been some interesting points that could have been raised. We could have learned about. I'm talking about why the National Guard never came out, even though according to a number of people close to President Trump and the memos and a whole bunch of other information showing that he was asking for the National Guard to come out. And that was several days before Also, the people that showed up at the Capitol, remember, they were not armed. So, I mean, there's so many questions. If this was an insurrection, boy, this was a poorly planned insurrection. This is like a kindergartner planning an insurrection. And we'll never get to the bottom of what Nancy Pelosi knew and what she didn't do or did do. Also, Mariel Bowser of D.C., the mayor there. There are just so many unanswered questions, and I would love to see President Trump answering some of the questions today, responding to them, having his team asking other questions to basically, you know, uh, countermand and also ask their own questions to these individuals. You know, I bet there's a lot more to the story than meets the eye, and I wonder if we will ever, ever get to the bottom of this. Well, Jonathan Turley, constitutional scholar, says— so far, even despite some very alarming testimony today, at the end of the day, he doesn't see anything that could go as a criminal referral.
7: Well, I agree with Andy, particularly about the claim of the crime now being Uh, this effort to defraud, Mm. uh, there's a lot of talk about proving crimes by the members and those elements haven't been shown. I mean, you even have uh, Professor Larry Tribe going on air saying this proves that there was an attempt to murder uh, Vice President uh, Pence by President Mm -hmm. Trump. And that type of, of just out-of-this-world analysis um, gets amplified in this environment, but it's completely nonsense. So if they're going to prove crimes, they need to be more concrete, show us the elements. Yeah. And I agree with Andy. I don't see that crime as being particularly compelling.
1: Yeah, and I think it's got to be clear as day, especially when you're dealing with the president of the United States. 1-800-848-9222. let us go to Paul. On line eight. Paul, go ahead. Your thoughts about this.
4: How are you? I just would like to say that I think this whole thing has been a setup since day one. They wanted this to happen. They had Antifa involved. They had Black Lives Matter involved. If they knew all this stuff was going to happen, why didn't they take the security that Donald Trump offered? And the American people will really know what really could have happened constitutionally that day. Because they were the ones that ruined it. They were the ones that murdered two women that day, not anybody else.
1: Yeah, why would you? But, you know, I don't understand to this day, Paul, on the you know security issue. If somebody says, hey, we're going to have a huge rally, and clearly it was all over the media that they're going to have a huge rally. Why would you not send out law enforcement? And they were saying we want to have things peaceful. Just that's normal when you have a big rally. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, So it's odd that a lot of these things were not done. A lot of the doors were not locked. Uh, There's so many of these security steps that were not done that are just normal procedure. And it's troubling. I'd like to know the answer. And sadly, we're not getting it from this hearing. Uh, Let's go to Karen uh, from San Antonio on line one. Go ahead, Karen, from beautiful San Antonio, Texas. Hi. Well, it's awfully strange that the locking of the doors is a mystery, when they have the 20,000-pound uh, magnetic doors that have to be opened by a, um, a key, uh, like a code, a key code. And now in Uvalde, they're playing the same trick where suddenly, even though they had a, a shooter drill three days before this happened, where they had a lockdown, none of the lockdowns. Procedures worked, and the doors didn't lock. And by by, Outside and by the way, Karen, lock. Karen, you hit it on, uh, you know, on the head in terms of Uvalde. We're going to talk about that later on in the show because uh, that to me is so troubling. Some of these details that are coming out about what happened in Uvalde and that abysmal police response, um, and oh my goodness, you guys too. And I, I want to hear your thoughts on this later in the show, where they basically said. That there were enough officers, they had enough rifles, they had enough shields, but it looked like they didn't have any guts, and they had a horrible commander. That is the bottom line. This commander told him to stay back. That commander should never work in law enforcement again. We're going to talk about that. But first, what are your thoughts on January 6th? Is it all a bunch of hogwash and show?
0: Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Back the Blue.
1: And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And this is where the police department there honored three officers who have helped save the life of an infant in the last year in Tennessee. Last summer, Officer Justin Fugate responded to a call of a lifeless infant at the Spring Valley Apartments. He was joined by two other officers and the three working in the area that day of the call. Now, Officer Fugate recalls the scene saying that upon arrival, he found the little boy on his back on a couch turning blue. From choking after being fed, he was lying on his back starting to turn bright blue. Officer Fugate says he picked up the child and cleared the airway before starting CPR. The other two officers helped calm the family during the medical emergency and cleared the room for EMS. The boy was able to be resuscitated thanks to the efforts of these three officers. And as a result, they were all honored with the Jerry Anderson Hero Award which was named after the former city native there in that area and also former NFL player who died in 1989 trying to rescue two young boys drowning in floodwaters. What a powerful award uh, to receive uh, after a hero and for their also heroic efforts. And what a great reminder of the important work that our men and women in blue do every single day well we are talking about the january 6 hearings and so far it's just been one big old dog and pony show and i haven't heard anything that was really revealing to me nothing out of the ordinary because remember during all the lead up to january 6 we heard a lot about Rafsenberger, that's the official in georgia who donald trump was not happy with and the thing that's interesting about donald trump if he's not happy he's pretty apparent Remember, he was tweeting left and right, left and right, complaining about Rafsenberger, saying, how come he's not counting? How come he's not doing this? And in fact, uh, just recently, there was a primary for Rafsenberger in Georgia. And Trump, of course, had a candidate up against him. He was very upset because he felt that he was not helpful. And he said there were clear violations, is what President Trump said, in Georgia. He wanted him to look at him. And he said find these irregularities. I believe there are irregularities. Try to find these irregularities. And here is a recounting today of a discussion that Rafsenberger had with shifty Adam Schiff. Take a listen.
3: Secretary Raffensberger, did Joe Biden win the 2020 president of Georgia and by what margin?
7: Uh, president Biden carried the state of Georgia by approximately 12,000 votes. And, Mr. Secretary, as I understand
3: it, your office took several steps to ensure the accuracy of the vote count in Georgia, reviewing the vote count in at least three different ways. These steps included a machine recount, a forensic audit, and a full hand recount of every one of the five million ballots cast. Did these efforts, including a recount of literally every ballot cast in the state of Georgia, confirm the result?
7: Yes, they did. We counted the ballots where the first tabulation would be scanned, then when we did our 100 percent hand audit of the entire all five million ballots in the state of Georgia, all cast in place, all absentee ballots, they were all hand recounted and they came remarkably close to the first count. And then upon the election being certified, President Trump, because he was in, within a half percent, <coughs> excuse me, could ask for a recount. And then we recounted him again through the scanners and we got remarkably the same count, three counts, all remarkably close, which showed that President Trump did come up short. So he says, we did multiple counts,
1: and President Trump came up short. Now, Rafsenberger said, after all of this, and then he said he went back to Trump and told him that, and he repeatedly said, here's, you know, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to do this. We've checked it. He said, uh, you know, very frustrated with the situation. He testified to that today. But we knew about that. And, in fact, I mean, we heard the same thing from President Trump. We heard all of this before. None of this Was anything revealing, at least to me and probably to most of you out there who were following all the events leading up to January 6th when it happened? And then Rafsenberger talked about how difficult things were right after this when he refused to certify uh, the election for Trump. Because he said, listen, the numbers are showing for Biden. That's what I got to do. And he said that he received and his family received a whole bunch of threats.
3: Please tell us what you, your wife, even your daughter-in-law experienced regarding threats from Trump's more radical followers.
7: Well, after the, ele- after the election, uh, my email, my cell phone was doxed, and so I was getting texts all over the country, and then eventually my wife started getting the uh, text, and hers typically came in as sexualized uh, texts, which were disgusting. You have to understand that uh, Trish and I, we met in high school, and we've been married over 40 years now. And so um, they started going after her, I think, just to probably put pressure on me. Why don't you just quit, walk away? And so that happened. And then some people broke into my daughter-in-law's home. And uh, my son has passed, and she's a widow and uh, has two kids. And so we're very concerned about her safety also.
1: And listen, I don't like the fact that they went to, you know, his family's home, Um, and there were threats against them. I don't think that's appropriate whatsoever. Um, And here is some comments from poll worker. uh, This is Miss Moss, who also testified, and she said that she also got some threats.
5: Um, Mr. Jones told me, like, they're attacking his uh, Facebook, and I don't really use Facebook. I have one, so I went to the Facebook app, and I'm just kind of panicky at this point because this is, Never happened to me, and my mom is involved, and I'm, like, her only child. So I'm just asking him, like, where are the messages? All I see is the feeds. Like, how do you get to the messages? And he said, it's another icon on your phone that says messenger. And I went to that icon, and it was just a lot of horrible things there.
3: And those horrible things, did they include threats?
5: Yes, a, a lot of threats. Um, wishing death upon me, um, telling me that, you know, I'm, I'll be in jail with my mother and saying things like, be glad it's 2020 and not 1920. Horrible to hear that these people were receiving
1: threats. Horrible to hear that they were worried in their families, I think that that's inappropriate. But I want to bring up the double standard here. Because the Democrats are not condemning these protests against Supreme Court justices at their house. We have still not heard from the president of the United States. And to me, this is absolutely shameful. We have not heard from President Biden condemning the attack, the planned attack and beyond that planned killing and assassination of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. That crazy guy who showed up at his house recently, remember, shows up at his home after liberal groups released his address. They're still continuing to protest outside his house, by the way, other protesters. Protesters were outside the Supreme Court today also, like, shouting vile things. They were at Amy Coney Barrett's house shouting vile things, putting out her kid's school, putting out her church address. I mean, it's insane. And if you look at what's out there, it's even much worse than anything we've heard from these people today, and what is outrageous, and I don't, can I don't condone that in any shape or form on any side, but how much of a blatant double standard, and how shameful is it that they're putting these people out there, and they can't even spend five minutes condemning the attack, the planned assassination with a guy who was armed and shows up just outside of the house of Brett Kavanaugh? And had guns and everything else and was planning to kill him. I I mean, that to me is so transparent political. And that to me is what I hate about all of this because they are so that's why I can't really trust anything they're saying. How do I know anything they're saying? Because it's one sided. We don't have President Trump responding. His legal team's not responding. You know, how can we trust anything that they're saying when they won't even condemn the other, they won't even bring any attention to the other, that there was an assassination attempt against a Supreme Court justice, and yet a election official who had a bad word that somebody said about her on Facebook was supposed to be crying over when the other, and listen, I don't like that either. That's not a happy thing. But don't you think someone trying to show up at the home of Brett Kavanaugh planning to kill him? Is something we should be concerned about. How transparent and how political and shameful that the Democrats will not even give any attention to that. And that, to me, is why this is just one big dog and pony show. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Go ahead, Dom, your thoughts.
4: Yeah, hi, Rita. Let's not forget that Hillary Declared Trump was an illegitimate president.
1: That's and right. That's right. And by that, the way, Dom, the list goes on and on. It's not just her, yeah. there's a lot of them. And then Bush, Bush. I mean, they
4: refused to certify Bush's election, too. And then Hillary thinks she's still the president. That's the, that's the humor of all of this thing. However, you know, I, I looked at, watched, uh, you know, today's hearing a little bit. And was, but the only problem there, challenge there, which was so well choreographed. And could very easily cast doubts in the minds of independents until they realize until people realize that it's so one-sided because there's nobody you know offering a you know uh, other opinions. So the problem with Trump is that he's not he does not have a filter unlike most politicians. Unfortunately, most politicians are experts at filtering out the truth and bring out the bile and make it sound good. That's what's going on in today's hearing and whatever will follow after this. That's the concern I have because they're going to convince the fence-sitters the way they present it. That's the problem I have with this whole thing.
1: Now, Dom, let me ask you, because um, President Trump and his team came out and said, we should get equal time. So do you think that the networks should at least give Trump equal time in some form, whether, I mean, maybe not exactly equal time, Um, but if you look at like political races, you know, you're pretty much obligated to make sure that all sides have equal time, that they're treated fairly, have an appropriate, you know, presentation. Um, what about Donald Trump getting, you know, a couple hours in prime time to be able to refute what we've heard the last few days?
4: if they don't give me equal time, we should contact BLM and ask them to cancel these networks. Ah, exactly. <laughs> right, right.
1: And Soros, too, right? Yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> and it, this is the problem we have. This is a challenge we have because I listen to you and I listen to the other shows. I get a lot of good information. Unfortunately, a lot of people are too busy living their life and they don't have access to the kind of things that you're putting out there. This is, this is my challenge. How do we get it? The average citizen who goes out and votes, who has no idea who is, he or she is voting for and is casting the ballot, how do we overcome that challenge? That's my problem, because I'm an election judge for the past four cycles. I have people that have no idea who they're voting for, so they say, oh, where do I check? And they're gone.
1: Wow. The problem. Yeah. Well, and by the way, Dom, I even said this. I told the story of when I went to vote um, a couple of elections ago. I had one of the elections officials literally say to me, you want to vote for so-and-so. And And I looked at her and I said, "Uh, don't tell me who to vote for. I said, are you telling me who to vote for? And she's like, no, I'm just making a suggestion. I said, you're not even supposed to be making a suggestion. Isn't that amazing? I I couldn't believe that. Um, And so, you know, they clearly were probably doing it to a whole bunch of other people because you're right. People kind of show up there and look lost. I wasn't lost. I was pretty clear who I was voting for and it wasn't who she was suggesting. That's for sure. Um, But um, you're right. I think so much of it is education, getting the word out. Um, And if I were Trump, quite frankly, you know, I actually think he should do like an equal time. And I think also, you know, if you are one of these other networks, even if clearly CNN is not on his side, clearly MSNBC isn't on his side, but maybe they would carry it for the ratings sake, you know, just because he's always been a ratings draw. And so far, these hearings are not big ratings draw. I think people are tuning out. Dom, I do think there are some people who maybe are influenced by it, like you said. Um, but I also think a lot of people are saying, "Ah, this is what I knew," you know, on January 6th or soon before or soon after, and nothing's really moving the dial. So I don't know if it's going to make that much of an impression. My personal feeling is it's not going to make that much of an impression. And if anything, I think it is going to reinforce. If anything, it's going to galvanize his supporters in a big way to get out there and say you know this is a witch hunt we got to get out there and vote because this you know these people are just out for uh you know revenge over and over and over again i mean to call it impeachment three which is what nbc is calling it i mean it's just it's preposterous that is amazing let's go to chris uh line one go ahead chris your thoughts
8: hey read a couple things um uh you know equal time is almost you know Granted, you have to watch Fox, but I watched Tucker Carlson, and he gets much bigger ratings than all the other networks. So, And he puts out the other side. In fact, tonight, he showed a repeat. I still can't believe it. I still cannot believe it. That guy that's dressed like kind of in a Minnesota Viking outfit. like with the horns. Yeah, the uh,
1: QAnon uh, shaman. Yeah. And by the way, they, they were talking about his name today, too, because they showed the video of him outside uh, the Arizona Capitol trying to—and got in, I guess, and would— Threatening Jason uh Jacob Chamsley and apparently he wouldn't leave the Capitol in Arizona and then he showed up again at the US Capitol, as we know, you know, from his that's the guy with the the skirt and the uh cave horns and the whole to do. You know, that's the one you can never forget that one. That's like the the image of January sixth, but go ahead.
8: Right. No. So what I don't get is right. Just can anyone interview that guard who was with him? The guy was just like uh, escorting him. He's practically telling him, all right, you can go sit over there. Yeah. Just don't. Right. So, you know what?
1: That's a great point because the guard, but I bet you the problem's going to be, Chris, that probably his bosses, the guard's bosses don't want him to talk. I bet you. Um, But you're right. If you look at that footage, that footage is like, hey, come on in. Yeah. It's okay. If you want to go up there, go up, you know, just take a few pictures You know, um, if you don't mind and you hear them going, "Okay, thank you, sir. Uh, I mean, these are the most well-behaved protesters, at least that piece of footage. We've seen others where, you know, it was much more cantankerous and violent. But but of those guys, when they're like led into the chamber, they're walking around the guards like, hi, guys. I mean, it almost looks like it's like an organized tour. Um, And that would be brilliant because I haven't seen that guard talk anywhere. Have you, Chris, outside of that videotape?
8: This is what, and I wanted to bring up, and this is my broader point, is that when 9/11, when I I remember we were all stunned during 9/11, but I remember thinking the thing that stunned me the most was that our airspace over the Pentagon wasn't safe. So I was, so then we had a whole 9/11 commission on how all that happened. Now this almost this stunned me almost as much. Never in a million years would I ever think that a bunch of protesters, we know we're going to go down there would be able to get into the Capitol like that. So this is my point, point. and then I'll hang up and let you respond. Um, come the this red tsunami that's definitely coming in November, is it possible that January, once they all get sworn in, all the Republicans, first order of business, can we get down to what really happened security-wise on January 6th? Because as American citizens, we need to know that our Capitol, our Pentagon, like what's going on? The airspace is not safe. So my point is, what happens if a bunch of uh, terrorists saw that, wow, look at all these people unarmed got in there? Yeah. Uh, maybe we can just get together and organize and just storm the Capitol with weapons. I'm just, you know, that, that thing staggered me more than anything. Without weapons, they were allowed in there. And I just wonder if once the Republicans get in, if they could really have like a commission of their own. to Talk about the security, not about whether Trump tried to steal the election or not but just about the security around our nation's capital.
1: That's a great, Chris, that is a superb, superb point. Because, first of all, I first order of business, I bet you, uh, if they take over the House, which I think they have a great chance of doing, they're going to get rid of this January 6th committee. There's no question. They're going to be like, okay, that hearing's over. That's why the Democrats are trying to cram in everything they can now, because they know that if the House turns Republican, They're not going to want to push for it. They're just going to kill that hearing, you know, the the committee, and say, forget it. You know, no more hearings. But you're right. They could create the actual January 6th that's a security-focused. And, boy, wouldn't that be interesting? Can you imagine if we find out that, indeed, as it appears to be, that Nancy Pelosi turned down, bringing the National Guard several days before preparing for that moment? Why? Why would you do that? Why would you cancel that? What else did you do? What other things are going on? I'd love to interview some of even, remember, a number of the people that got fired. Remembering Capitol Hill Police, the guy who got fired, who was sort of head of the security? I'd love to bring him. Why are we not hearing from him? What was he told? What did he know? Did he speak out against Nancy Pelosi privately? We don't know. I bet you there's a huge story there. And I actually think that's a great idea, and I bet you they'll do it. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1 800 848 9222. This is
0: The Rita Cosby Show.
1: This is the perfect song, Obsession, because clearly, Shifty Shift. And Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and I think everybody in that room in the hearing on the committee clearly is obsessed with President Trump and obsessed with trying to make sure that he does not run again. And that's not the reason to have a hearing to question a president and to make a potential criminal referral just because you don't like him politically or you're worried about him politically. 1-800-848-9222. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Teddy on line five. Ted, your thoughts about it all?
9: Oh uh, yes, Rita. Uh, me, my, myself, Stan, and Dave from Riverdale—we're the only sane people that are calling up. All Patricia, Norm, LQ—even though he wasn't in the—he was demonstrating, and I have got no problem with that. Okay, Rita, but I'm talking about the hundreds, not tens. The hundreds that went into the Capitol destroyed property, were making threats, looking for Congress people to th- to kill. And don't please don't deny that that Pence wasn't forty feet away from the Proud Boys and others who, who would have killed him. Yeah. By killed the way, him. hey Teddy, Teddy, talk about that. Teddy, Teddy, talk about Teddy, that.
1: relax, relax. You're 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 getting a little uh little roused up here first off since the other callers are not here to respond uh i will say that that we have great callers on all sides and just because you don't agree and clearly you've got an obsession like the song said uh against president trump uh that's not any reason to be you know like going to the bathroom in your pants basically now okay for one two the other thing is The fact that you're sitting there, I agree. I don't like anybody who was going in there and destroying property. I don't like anybody who was making threats to President, you know, to to Pence I'm talking about. And, And the fact you're right, he was 40 feet. That is troubling. But you can't smear all these other people that were there. And there are video of people being let in. What about that? What about that? And why did Nancy Pelosi not call in the National Guard? And why are they not condemning the assassin, the guy who was trying to kill Brett Kavanaugh? That is so political, and that is shameful.
0: Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby
10: Show. I know you
0: Breaking news.
1: And tonight is a big primary night in America, and a couple results just coming in in just the last few minutes, and mixed results for Trump backed candidates, since we're talking about President Trump here on The Rita Cosby Show. Um, first off, uh, the big one in Alabama uh, with the Republican primary for Senate there, Katie Britt. Winning that handily, and that was a Trump-backed candidate, handily beating Mo Brooks, the longtime politician. Uh, So that was a big win, and it looks like by a wide, wide margin, and she becomes, of course, the GOP then-candidate going in to the midterm elections. And that's a very powerful one. Again, Katie Britt winning, young Katie Britt winning that Uh, And lots of energy, uh, very much a make America great again candidate and got the backing from President Trump not too long ago. Meantime, another race that just came in a few minutes ago is in Georgia, in Congress, in the 10th congressional district. And that was pitting trucking company owner uh, Mike Collins against Vernon Jones. And that's someone who was very close to President Trump, of course, received President Trump's endorsement. Um, And got into the race kind of late in a very, very crowded field, but skyrocketed in that. And then he basically had a runoff, if you will, with uh, Vernon Jones against Mike Collins. But Mike Collins winning that race, that's the one who did not get the Trump endorsement. And he uh, becomes the congressional candidate there for the GOP side. Again, that's in Georgia. And that is Congressional District 10. So mixed results so far coming in tonight We'll keep you posted, but those are two big races so far. Again, a win for a Trump-backed candidate, a big win in Alabama, and a loss for another Trump-backed candidate in Georgia, and we'll continue to keep you posted as results come in here on The Rita Cosby Show. Meantime, later on in the show, uh, crime is, of course, a huge issue, and it's going to be a huge issue in the elections, in the midterms. And we will talk later on in the show about what I think has been absolutely stunning, some of these new details that have come out in the Uvalde school shooting. And today, the head of the Texas Department of Safety basically said it was unbelievable that he has never seen such a horrible police response. And it is absolutely damning to this local official on the ground, this local police chief, who everybody thought was the commander, he said he didn't think he was the commander. But now uh, the head of Texas Department of Safety is saying that he was telling everybody to stand down. And the reality is that within three minutes, they had enough police, they had enough rifles, they even had some shields, and they apparently hadn't even opened door to the classroom and never tried the open door. So there are so many stunning details, and to me it is just, it's abominable it is heartbreaking and i want to get your thoughts as to just how could this happen at, at with you know you have law enforcement from different agencies there how could this happen that it was such an abysmal failure with disastrous consequences and by the way we're getting new details about the shooter too in the middle of this all too that this guy people were going around about 8 months before the shooting it came out today first of all we knew He was like killing animals. He was doing all these really crazy things that I hate to say show a demented mind. Clearly, I love animals Um, and show that he had trouble. He was wearing black. He was making threats. He came from a broken home. There are a lot of issues in the family. But apparently people were basically going around saying that guy's going to be a school shooter eight months before the shooting, saying that clearly there were signs of violence, signs of threats that he was making. This was well before the shooting. So why weren't people complaining to authorities? It's not like it's a normal thing to go around and say, hey, I think that person's a school shooter. And even people within his own family were troubled about the kid. So why didn't they report that too? There are so many mistakes here. And we're going to get into that later on in the show because this is nothing short of catastrophic. And these families, I'm telling you, I think there are going to be so many lawsuits You know, coming from this, family members, can you imagine the outrage? I'm outraged for these family members, but can you imagine if you lost loved ones and you find out that these people didn't even check the door and then you hear about the warning signs? I mean, you have a responsibility. If somebody in your family or somebody that goes to school with you or whatever, you know, you can do it privately. You don't want to make it public, obviously. You don't want to have them retaliate against you. But people have to learn that they've got to speak up and kids have to be taught that they got to speak up because clearly this guy was a monster and clearly had a lot of issues. And the warning signs apparently were all there. And police, in this case, also failed to act. Boy, like I wouldn't even give them a, a, an E or an F grade. I'd give them minus that. When you hear what they did, this, to me, was basically uh, police misconduct. That's the virgin. I love the police. I'm the biggest fan of police, you guys. But when you hear the mistakes that were made, it is outrageous. And we're going to talk about that later on in the show to hear who you think is to blame. Meantime, we are talking about the January 6 hearings because so far it's a lot of finger pointing. It's a lot of this. And why aren't the Democrats focused on crime? They don't seem to want to talk about, by the way, Mariel Bowser, the D.C. mayor, was on a network earlier this week. And guess what? All she was talking about was basically January 6th. It's like January 6th, January 6th, January 6th. There's a major shooting in D.C. Not really talking about it, not even really asked about it either by the media. It's like, oh, crime, whatever, you know, economy, whatever. Can we talk about January 6th? To me, it is so politically transparent. And here is what Benny Thompson, the chair of the committee, said today, pretty much soon after he opened. This new round of hearings.
2: So when Donald Trump tried to overturn the election results, he focused on just a few states. He wanted officials at the local and state level to say the vote was tainted by widespread fraud and throw out the results, even though, as we showed last week, there wasn't any voter fraud that could have overturned the election results.
1: And then they got into some of the specifics in the different states. Now, one of the things we were talking about, the Georgia congressional race, um, and now they were talking about Georgia. Some of the votes, remember that whole issue with suddenly that suitcase that was seen in the middle of the night and it was shown under the table and it looked fishy, it looked odd. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, guys, but when you look at suddenly all these votes changing in the middle of the night, and then you saw that the person with the suitcase kind of came in after the votes were supposed to stop being counted. It was just a weird election night. I was covering it. So I remember the numbers changing and twisting and turning and everything else. And it was odd. And when you see the video, it's just an odd thing. You know, I mean, it's certainly worth looking into. Well, here is Adam Schiff uh, describing uh, the Georgia workers with those suitcases and trying to debunk that.
3: Just two days after the emotional warning that you gave that someone's going to get killed, Representatives of President Trump appeared in Georgia, including Rudy Giuliani, and launched a new conspiracy theory that would take on a life of its own and threaten the lives of several innocent election workers. This story falsely alleges that sometime during election night, election workers at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia, kicked out poll observers. After the observers left, the story goes, these workers pulled so-called suitcases of ballots from under a table, and ran those ballots through counting machines multiple times. Completely without evidence, President Trump and his allies claimed that these suitcases contained as many as 18,000 ballots, all for Joe Biden. None of this was true.
1: And here's a little bit more of him talking with elections officials today. Take a listen.
3: Mr. Sterling, did the investigators in your office review the entire surveillance tape from the State Farm Arena on election
11: night? Uh, They actually reviewed approximately 48 hours going over the time period where action was taking place at the um, counting center at State Farm Arena. And what did the tape actually show? Depending on which time you want to start, because as was mentioned, this conspiracy theory took on a life of its own, um, where they conflated a water main break that wasn't a water main break, and throwing observers out and a series of other things. What it actually showed was Fulton County election workers engaging in normal ballot processing. Um, one of the specific things, one of the things that was very frustrating was the so-called suitcases of ballots from under the table. If you watch the entirety of the video, you saw that these were election workers who were under the impression they were going to get to go home around 10, 10.30. People are putting on their coats, they're putting Ballots that are prepared to be scanned into ballot carriers that are then sealed with tamper-proof seals so that you, they can, you know they're not messed with. Um, and the it's an interesting thing because you watch all there's four screens of the video, and as you're watching it, you can see the election monitors in the corner with the press as they're taking these ballot carriers and putting them under the under the table. You see it there. Uh, one of the other hidden ones, if you looked at the actual tape, was. On the outside of the table, just from the camera angle, you couldn't see it originally.
1: And here's a little bit more of the old suitcase ballots.
11: So our elections director called their elections director, who was at another location because this was election day. There was two different places where ballot things were being done by the Fulton County office. Um, So he called the elections director from Fulton, then called Ralph Jones, who was at the State Farm Arena, and said, what the heck are you doing? Go ahead and stay. As you watch the video itself, you see him take the phone call as people are putting things away and getting ready to leave. And you can tell for about 15, 20 seconds he does not want to tell these people they have to stay. He walks over. He thinks about it for a second. You see him come back to the corner of a desk and kind of slumps his shoulders and says, okay, y'all, we got to keep on counting. And then you see him take their coats off, get the ballots out.
1: So it is a little odd. When you saw the video, you go, oh, that's interesting. Now it makes sense based on what they're saying, but – it was an odd election night. And let's go back and review a couple things. In January 2001, uh, now the late Congressman Alcee Hastings, very famous Democrat in Florida, objected to counting his own state's electoral votes because he claimed fraud and electoral misconduct. Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas and Maxine Waters said that the vote could not be accurate. And that it was fraudulent. Then in 2005, Barbara Boxer lodged objections to Ohio's electoral votes. Barbara Lee of California said that the Democratic process was thwarted. Gerald Nadler said that the right to vote was, quote, stolen. And then in January 2017, after Trump's victory, a number of them challenged the legitimacy And the right of the election. Congressman Jim McGovern cited illegal activities of Russia, which, as we know, turned out to be a big old hoax. Barbara Lee of California said that Michigan votes should be thrown out because people are horrified by the overwhelming evidence of Russian interference. She also cited, get this, the malfunction of 87 voting machines. And then we go back to a number of these others. You go back to Benny Thompson and Jamie Raskin. They all challenged Biden's basically Trump's victory, saying he's illegitimate. I mean, this is ridiculous. How many of them did this and how many of them actually went after the electoral process? But it's okay if they do it. But if a Republican questions it, it is shame on them them. Let's go to your calls, everybody. It's incredible. Let's go to Elizabeth. Line four, your thoughts. You're here on the Rita Cosby show, Elizabeth.
5: Yeah, before I get to my comment, I so agree with you. The only thing I want to know from the January Sixth um Commission is why didn't Nancy Pelosi and the and the head of police listen to President Trump. They say out didn't you have John Solomon on the show that he said as far as uh back as December He was, you know, demanding that. Yes,
1: yes, yes. And he and and a number of others said they were actually in the meeting, too, when this happened, when he asked for it. And yet we won't know the answer. That's the sad thing. Like, why would you why would you not have extra security? Even say let's just even throw out even President Trump asking for it, which there's enough other people corroborating that uh, that indeed he did ask, according to so many different sources. But even throw that out, Elizabeth, pretend like he didn't. If you knew there was going to be a massive crowd, which everybody knew there was going to be a massive crowd for this rally, um, wouldn't you have a whole bunch of extra security? I mean, it's just common sense. It's odd that there would be, like, minimal security. I mean, that, that there's just something odd about it. And we never got to the bottom of it, you know? And why would, like, you know, the, the head of Capitol Hill Police. Remember, he got fired. A couple of the others, you know, took their own lives afterwards. I mean, there's there's some weird things going on here, and we still do not know the full story. And sadly, these hearings are not going to touch it because the Democrats don't want to reveal that. And that makes me even more suspicious. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222.
0: This is The Rita Cosby Show.
1: There's a lot of dirty laundry out there on a lot of sides in this matter. But if you look at the House hearings, they're only showing one side. And this is what the former assistant deputy AG Tom Dupree said is the mission of the committee. Take a listen. And do you think they have hit this bar?
4: Today, I
10: thought that the committee uh, focused a lot on linking the former president to this scheme to create the fake electors. And it seems to be a real theme that the committee members are trying to bring out in their statements and their questioning to show that the former president wasn't just a bystander or that, you know, people who work for him were, were trying to do this, but that the president was a central player in all of this. That really seems to be one of the themes that these committee members have been pounding on the last few hearings.
1: And overall, they are also trying to show, did he indeed play a pivotal role in the violence that day? And that, I think, is extremely a weak case. And I'll tell you why in a moment. one eight hundred eight Uh let us go to Stan on line six. Stan, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Stan.
9: Uh, Rita, uh... I don't know what to say. There's so many things to say to you, but it doesn't help. Uh, The key, I I wanted to mention the Speaker of the House of Arizona today, who, to me, is a great American and a patriot and a Republican. I don't probably agree with him on a lot of issues. But he, to me, he had the purple heart on him today. He was absolutely fantastic. Sad, bitter, tragic. And basically told the truth as a Christian and as an American. He brought up his Christian faith, and I believed him 1,000 percent in his conversation uh, with the president, Mr. Trump. I think it's obvious if you heard the conversation and what he said, he handled himself magnificently. And he basically told Mr. Trump to go to hell,
1: which is where he should go. Whoa! but wait, hang on, Stan, because I know, but I'm it's my show. So I'll just give me a moment here. All right. If if I'm allowed to speak on my show. All right, Stan. But what he said was also the president. And I'm glad you finally admitted President Trump was a president because sometimes you have a problem with that. I know you've mentioned that in the past. But anyway, uh, President Trump said that Bowers, who you're talking about, basically told him that the election was rigged. Bowers denied that, but if he indeed told President Trump that he thought the election was rigged, and now he's singing a different tune because of the heat on a lot of the people in January 6th, then maybe he's a good actor as opposed to a legitimate character. But go ahead, Stan.
9: Malarkey. Malarkey. You just can't, can't you know. Uh, I'm just, I'm th- just saying,
1: Stan. There are two I know sides. I what you're saying, Stan. You're saying, well, Stan I know what what you're I'm saying. saying is there are two sides to every story, and we're not getting the second side. There, well, we, we don't know. We heard
9: Donald Trump himself on the phone and many of these, and uh, and we he heard him say, himself. and
1: we heard him say, peacefully protest. He
9: hangs himself. Okay, Rita. Let's get real here. He hangs himself. How
1: does he hang himself, Stan? In what your he expertise,
9: uses, he's basically telling them, find me eleven thousand votes. Find it to me, okay? And basically, and then he intimately threatens these people. I mean, what he did to those black people, those two women, uh, actually, it's Rudy Giuliani, that, you know, calling them, uh, he called her a hustler or something. I mean, he said these people, you know, were the worst of the worst. I mean, it's just, I mean, Rudy Giuliani hasn't been right about this thing yet. I mean, we heard a lot today about him. And looking for the bag, but stand, but
1: stand, stand. Well, hang on, wait, 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 wait. Stand, stand, stand. I'm not even going to go there, but I do think he was a great mayor. And since Rudy's not here to defend himself, I'll do that. Um, they legitimately believe the election was stolen. Trump legitimately believes the election's stolen. So if you believe the legit, it's legitimately stolen, and you say, hey, you know, find me these illegal votes because I believe they're there. That's a different matter than go and fabricate it out of whole cloth. And we haven't heard that yet. So no matter what you say, Stan, you haven't proven that he said, hey, make it all up to make me look good. If you ask Trump today, he would say it was stolen and he stands by that. And that's your problem, Stan.
0: Rita Cosby is on. The Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes.
1: And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful story coming from Eatonville, Washington State, where Wounded Warriors Family Support awarded Samuel Shockley of Eatonville, Washington, with a $30,000 Mobility as Freedom vehicle grant to assist him with the purchase of a Subaru Outback that could be fitted, especially for him. Now, Shockley was on a dismounted route clearance mission in Afghanistan with the 38th Engineering Company on March 17th, 2013, when he triggered an improvised explosive device. Shockley recalls looking at where his legs should have been But they were gone. The blast resulted in the loss of both of his legs above the knee, the amputation of part of Shockley's middle and ring fingers, and the loss of part of his arm and a broken wrist. Despite these intense injuries, Shockley does not see this as a stopping point. He says it was a second chance at life. He has since received a bachelor's degree in operations management from The Ohio State University. And he's currently pursuing a master's degree in business administration at Washington State University. And he also hopes to obtain his pilot license. How great is that and how beautiful that Wounded Warriors family support gave him this beautiful grant and to give him the ability to have more mobility, something he absolutely deserves after his incredible sacrifice for our country. And we always love doing our Support Our Heroes segment where we get to honor our great men and women in uniform. And for me, it's always such a pleasure to be able to spotlight them here on the Rita Cosby Show. Well, we are talking about the January 6th hearings. And we're also talking about the fact that much of this, and a number of you have called in, um, except for Stan, who has wax in his ears. But other than that... Um, others of you have called in and talked about the breach at the Capitol because the Democrats keep bringing up the fact that people were going into the Capitol and some of them were invited in. If you look at it, obviously, some of them pushed in, but some of them were invited in. I mean, it, it's so confusing. And that was a big focus. And in fact... If you look at so many of the arrests and so many people that were charged, it's like over 800 people were charged in various forms. And there's different hearings and different cases. But a number of them have been charged just for entering the Capitol. And guess what? Stephen Colbert's team was inside the Capitol complex not that long ago during one of the January 6 hearings. They were right outside of Lauren Boebert's, uh, who is a very conservative House member. Her office What were they doing there? They didn't have an escort. They were not properly credentialed. They were not supposed to be there. And a lot of people are saying, boy, is this a double standard that they get a pass. And yet, if you were anywhere near the Capitol on January 6th, you are basically the devil. Here is Stephen Colbert explaining it last night.
10: The Capitol Police were just doing their job. My staff was just doing their job. Everyone was very professional. Everyone was very calm. My staffers were detained, processed, and released. A very unpleasant experience for my staff. A lot of paperwork for the Capitol Police, but a fairly simple story.
1: Fairly simple story. But if you just said, hey, I walked around in the Capitol and I came there peacefully to rally to support President Trump. I mean, I think if you destroyed something or you pushed somebody or did something, that's a whole other story. But there were a lot of people that were just kind of milling around the hallways. And you would think that they're basically on death row the way they've been treated. And listen to Stephen Colbert make the angry frustration that he exposes. He basically says, I can't believe that Republicans are comparing my team being there unlawfully to anybody that was there unlawfully on January 6th. Take a listen.
10: The next night when a couple of the TV people started claiming that my puppet squad had, quote, committed insurrection (laughs) at the U.S. Capitol building. First of all, what? (laughs) Second of all, huh? Third of all, they weren't in the Capitol building. Fourth of all, and I am shocked I have to explain the difference, but an insurrection involves disrupting the lawful actions of Congress and howling for the blood of elected leaders all to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. This was first-degree puppetry. (laughs) This was hijinks with intent to goof. (laughs) Misappropriation of an old Conan bit. (laughs) Now, it is predictable. It's really Conan's fault. It's really Conan's fault. Now, it's predictable why these TV talkers are talking like this on the TV. They want to talk about something other than the January 6th hearings on the actual seditionist insurrection that led to the deaths of multiple people and the injury. ...of over 140 police officers, but drawing any equivalence between rioters storming our Capitol to prevent the counting of electoral ballots... ...and a cigar-chomping toy dog is a shameful and grotesque insult to the memory of everyone who died. And it obscenely trivializes
1: the service and the courage the Capitol Police showed on that terrible day. All right, so let's get it straight. The only person who died that day was Ashley Babbitt, who was shot by an officer... On that day. And guess what? I don't think the January 6th people would think it's so funny that, oh, it's Stephen Colbert's people can break all the rules, but they're not allowed to wander around, especially the people that were there peacefully, but wandering around in the Capitol or if you were near the steps of the Capitol. It's like you're the famine. 1-800-848-9222. 848 Let's go to Bernie on line seven. Bernie, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead.
6: Hello, Rita. Uh, uh, the Teddy, this fellow, this guy, Teddy, called James Golden on Saturday on James Golden Show, and in 10 minutes, James Golden refuted every point that Teddy made, and Teddy finally
9: hung up in frustration.
6: Yeah, te- yeah Teddy wants-
1: Yeah, Teddy and Stan and those callers um, have a habit of making a point and don't have the facts right. But I also... Welcome their calls. I, You know, that's what America's all about. And I've always said here on the show that I love hearing from everybody, whether I agree or disagree with them. I still appreciate their thoughts. Um, and I'm happy to refute them anytime, anywhere. And I always take their calls. You know, I take anybody's calls here uh, that refute something that I don't agree with. It's America. And you will not be canceled. You will not be woked on this show. And that's always been my objective on the show. But, But no, you're right. Uh, I mean, you can you can basically uh, pop a hole in everything that they're saying, but it still doesn't mean that they don't have a right to their opinion, whether we agree with them or not. But uh, but I always appreciate hearing from everybody, Teddy. So thank you very, very much. Let's go to Pamela. Line five. Go ahead, Pam. Who do these
9: so-called celebrities, Colbert, think they are? That is our house. And they entered it illegally and they were there to harass and skulk about Kevin McCarthy and Lauren Boebert. Republican offices to harass and mock them on television. So, no, this wasn't a little offense.
1: This yeah, I a agree. I agree. And I think it's outrageous that it's like, oh, it's funny if they do it or if it's OK because it's their side. Um, and, and, you know, Pamela, I brought up just a few minutes ago too the juxtaposition of the fact. And listen, I, I during the hearings today, there were some, you know, it was troubling to hear these people who said that they had a tax on their family, um, people, you know, showed up at their house or, um, you know, or outrageous things said to them, you know, I don't like any of that, but then it's a hard time to reconcile when you see the people, you know, you look at Benny Thompson and, you know, you want to bring out the Kleenex and you want to bring out the Kleenex for Liz Cheney when they're talking, oh, this is so horrible. And then if you ask them, well, what do you think about the assassination attempt on Brett Kavanaugh After, by the way, people like Chuck Schumer and others made some very horrible comments. Why is Chuck Schumer not being called in on a hearing? You know, if you look at that, he said, you won't know what hit you, Kavanaugh. And now suddenly somebody shows up at his house. You know, I mean, you know, you can make the case that he provoked that. I'm not saying he did. I don't think he did. But, you know, I'm saying if you want to connect the dots like you're trying to do to Trump, you can even go closer with something like Schumer said. What about all the things Maxine Waters said? You know, during the riots, the summer of love, as I like to like facetiously say. Um, it, it is outrageous and I agree with you. It's like they are picking and choosing which breach of the capital they like and which ones they don't. And, and it's 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 typical left leaning, and I think it's it's just it is outrageous. Out outrageous. Let's go to Dave on line four in Pennsylvania. Dave, your thoughts.
6: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Well, what I don't expect anything less from Left, left Night TV from Stephen Colbert. Um, and regarding the Kangaroo Commission, you know, one of the pieces of evidence that will never be discussed when it comes to voter integrity is the proper – is in Pennsylvania, specifically, I can speak of, is the validation of mail-in ballots. Uh, mail-in ballots are coming in, in, into the – I know for Democratic-controlled county boards – are not validated and reviewed by a minority majority inspector not like when you sh- show up in person and vote you there's a minority majority inspector verify you're a, a legal elector and then you get a, a ballot that turns it into a legal vote that process does not exist and what frustrates me is why hasn't any conservative reporters just interviewed a democratic party county election board and asked them what is the validation process to verify a mail-in ballot is a legal vote. Please explain what that is, because there's no evidence in that.
1: And by no, the way, clear. by the way, as you bring up Pennsylvania, the rules did change in Pennsylvania. Remember because uh, you know, the court stepped in versus the legislature. I mean, there were there were some interesting I was actually surprised. That was the well, one well, case, uh, by the way, that I thought Dave would actually go up to the Supreme Court because I actually thought there was something kind of interesting about that. Um, The the process and a lot of people still contend that was not the right decision because the Supreme Court wouldn't hear it. But a lot of people actually thought that case because it dealt with process and procedures that are in the Constitution and who decides uh, the electors and the rules of the voting process. And there were a lot of changes there. You bring up some very, very valid points. Um, Really interesting. Um, Let's go. uh, Let's go real quick to Charlie. Line five. Go ahead, Charlie. Hi, Rita. Hi, Charlie. What do you think? I think that after listening
6: to the hearings today, I decided that we no longer live in a republic. We now live in a banana republic, the American banana republic.
1: Yeah. You know what, Charlie? I actually think you're right, because this is the kind of hearing that you would have in a banana republic in some sort of third world country. This is what you would expect from Vladimir Putin if he was basically holding a hearing. He'd be like, um... Uh, Putin's great. Putin's great. And anybody who criticizes Putin is not great. OK, next hearing. You know, I mean, that's basically Putin's style of hearing. And in many ways, this process is just it's outrageous. It is really outrageous. And what troubles me, too, is not just what's happening now, because I do think there are legitimate questions and it'd be interesting to hear them. I want to know the real side, but I can't trust anything that's coming out of the hearing because it's so one sided. And we're not hearing President Trump's side. We're not hearing any of that. I mean, it's just outrageous. And I wonder what history will think of these hearings down the road. What will history view it? Will history say, oh, there is a House hearing and they determined this? Or will they say it was a kangaroo court that was a one-sided hearing that shouldn't be trusted and have a little asterisk next to it? It'll be interesting to see how history views this. Um, I want to also hear your thoughts, too, tonight, um, because the other thing— that was very disturbing to me tonight was these results that we're hearing coming out of Uvalde, Texas on the school shooting. And uh, before I leave you tonight, I want to get your thoughts on this because when I hear what happened and I hear now some of the comments coming from the Texas department of public safety, it is nothing short of jaw dropping and stunning. We know that of course, you know, the police, the local police, first responded there to that school shooting at Robb Elementary School. And we all wonder, like, why did it take so long? Why the guy had to get a key? The door was locked. All these different things that are happening. All these different things. And now we heard from the Texas Department of Public Safety, and this is absolutely stunning. Think about this. He came out and said that the response by the so-called commander of the Uvalde Police Department, the Uvalde Police Chief, was just one of the worst that he has ever seen. Take a listen to how the head law enforcement official in Texas called the situation.
12: There's compelling evidence that the law enforcement response to the attack at Rob Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre.
1: And then it got worse when he described what the priorities, he believes, were of this local commander who was supposed to be overseeing the whole scene. Three minutes
12: after the subject entered the West Building, there was sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from ending room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children.
1: Heartbreaking. And then the head of the Texas Department of Public Safety, Steve McCraw, said this.
12: One error, 14 minutes and eight seconds. That's how long the children waited and the teachers waited in rooms 111 to be rescued. And while they waited, the on-seat commander... Waited for a radio and rifles. Then he waited for shields. Then he waited for SWAT. Lastly, he waited for a key that was never needed.
1: He was waiting for a key that was never needed because now they believe that the classroom door did not lock as it was supposed to. Just like the outside door that was supposed to. And guess what? The shooter walked right in. It is stunning. Absolutely stunning. And he blames this guy, Peter Arredondo. I want to play. This is when CNN was chasing Peter Arredondo, trying to get some answers from him. This is the local head of the Uvalde Police Department overseeing the school districts. He's the one who claims that now he sort of wasn't the commander. But then this guy says, this Texas official says he was telling everybody to wait, to stay back, don't go in, don't do this precious time was being lost bullets are going flying in the classroom are you kidding me you're a police officer you better charge that's what you get paid for and then when cnn remember when they were trying to get an answer out of this so-called commander on the ground he dodged and weaved remember this so we want to talk to you about your decision and what the dps
7: how you, How's it going?
0: Good, I'm Pete. Nice to meet you. I nice want to talk to you yeah, about
9: the sure. decision and what department we're doing, but, but just to let y'all
2: know,
3: and I just spoke with... Uh, I know you did, but oh, you're not blocking me, are you? No, no, no. Oh, no, Matt, no, no, no. Turn this way. No, just so y'all know, because you all know, obviously,
2: we're not going to release anything. We have
9: we have people in our community being buried, so.
3: So right. We're going to be respectful. I, I just want your reaction to we're we're we're
7: we're the direction that Ross saying that you were responsible for the decision. Right. We're going to gonna go into be going to that room. How do you explain gonna yourself to be, the We're going to be
3: respectful to the family. I understand. And, that, but and, you have and, an
7: and opportunity
8: we're going, oh, and sure, and we're, to explain we're gonna, yourself to the parents?
9: and just so you know, we're going to we're going to do that eventually, obviously. When? And whenever this is done, and we we'll let the families quit grieving, then we'll do that, obviously. And just so we have, just so everybody, and the just so everybody, just so everybody knows, we've been in contact with DPS every day. Just so you all know. They say you're every not. Day. They say
4: that you're not cooperating. I, I've
9: been on the phone with them every day. They, so they say you you're
2: not cooperating. Sir. Just, just two just, seconds.
9: Just so you know, we've been talking to but him every what,
2: day. What, what I, is I your, appreciate what you. What me. is your reaction you know, to Y'all have him. a good day.
1: What is your reaction, sir? Why can we not get a straight answer out of this guy? And now we're finding out from the head of Texas DPS that that guy, Pete Arradondo, who says he wasn't the commander, but he was telling everybody on the scene, stand back, wait basically take my orders and you're not the commander and he's the local guy. And it is basically his jurisdiction. So what the heck was going on? Meanwhile, the door was open apparently and they waited and they waited and they waited. And this guy, the Texas department of public safety basically says that this Arredondo guy wanted a whole bunch more officers to come Wanted more SWATs, more this, why that. Meanwhile, the shooting's going off. Can you imagine? You're standing outside the door for over an hour, an hour, 14 minutes, eight seconds, and you don't charge? This guy should be fired in five seconds. Why is he still on the job? This is outrageous. Think of those poor families who lost loved ones. Shame on this guy. I want to hear your thoughts after the break. 1-800-848-9222.
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
1: So tonight I say sue the heck out of the school district, the police district. There are so many things now that we are hearing from the Texas Department of Public Safety. The fact that there were so many obvious mistakes made and they say it all stems from the so-called commander on the ground who basically told everybody to stand back. And I think one of the most powerful and disheartening revelations today Is that they basically say within three minutes, they had at least seven officers inside, two rifles, and they even had some shields that were on the way that were minutes away. And they believe the door of the classroom where the gunman was in Uvalde was never locked. And yet they waited and waited and waited. And he believes that this guy was more concerned about storming and what could happen to him and others. And obviously you don't want the police officers to be killed, but you don't want to have innocent kids and teachers inside being murdered, which is what was happening at that time. The police officers have to storm. And if this guy made so many bad decisions, why is he still on the job? He needs to be fired immediately and the families deserve answers. Let's go to uh, Norman on line one. Norman, your thoughts? It's outrageous.
9: Yeah, well, Rita, look, I, I think that this is a small town police station. I mean, that's no not, excuse, uh...
1: Norman. That's no excuse. They also had SWAT teams. They actually, you're right, oh. Norm. They did, They did. It is a small team, a small town, but they actually had a SWAT team and they had a calendar that was a couple months before bragging about this great SWAT team and they did oh. active shooter training recently. I mean, give me a break. You know what I mean? It's a border town, too. I, I'm not, you know, I, I I hear what you're saying, but that's no excuse. I mean, this is like policing 101, you know, and, I, and if I were a parent, I would have like, I would have charged that room. I would have said, give me the gun. If you're not going to use it, I'm going to use it. You know, I'm going to use it on the gunman. Give me a break. Uh, but, but I yeah. but I hear you, Norm. I, and you're right. I do think it was poor planning, and uh, but the, the mistakes were catastrophic. Let's go to Steve real quick. Uh, line three, Steve. Your thoughts?
8: Yeah, uh, one thing I think we gave them a permission to do that. Uh, you remember the Kyle Tenhaus killing? He shot two people, at the, uh, and Steve, I can't, hear- I can't death. hear
1: you. What are you talking about?
8: Yeah, about the Kyle Tenhaus killing. He shot two people, that eighteen years old, and he was pronounced not guilty. So if we do that, then we give encouragement all the 18 years old to go ahead, shoot anybody, and you cry in the the court. Oh, Steve, you know what?
1: You hit an interesting point, Steve, about, you know, this sort of, oh, feeling sorry for the gunman. Uh, Thank goodness this gunman's no longer with us. And it's no thanks, by the way, to this Uvalde uh, local yokel team, as Norm appropriately said. Um, But uh, the border agents actually took him out. Remember, it was a border agent. But you're right. A lot of these kids feel emboldened. I mean, you see in a number of these cases, and there were warning signs with this case that the kid was troubled. I mean, he's nuts.